Hi, and welcome to episode 83 of the Studio Insider Art Podcast. Today's guest is a longtime hero of mine. Flora Bowley is an artist, author, and gentle guide whose creative process and soulful approach to living has touched thousands of lives. Blending over 25 years professional painting experience with her background as a yoga instructor, healer and lifelong truth seeker, Flora's intimate popular in-person retreats and online courses have empowered a global network of brave painters while creating a new holistic movement in the intuitive art world. One of the earliest painting e-courses I took was with Flora and her brave intuitive painting and also creative revolution books rung very, very true for me. In her most recent book, The Art of Aliveness, Flora explores the vast ways in which the principles of creativity can serve as fuel for a more alive and awakened way of living in the world. I so hope you enjoy this deep and rich conversation with Flora Bowley about how the lessons derived from painting can inspire a more alive, awakened and embodied way of living. Hi, this is Susan Nethercote and welcome to the Studio Insider Art Podcast. In these episodes, I throw open the doors to my art studio practice and how I run my business as a professional artist. Whether it be candid insider chats with my studio assistants, Laura and Steph, or interviews with other creatives, or answering listener questions, there is something here for every emerging artist. I hope my journey can help you feel a bit more at home in your own. Hi there, Flora. Hi, Suze. Hi. Sorry, I got you right in the middle of a sip of tea. And you go by Suze, right? I go by Suze. I do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure before I said yeah. the name Oh, on. thank you. That's lovely. Well, Susan, I'll answer to all of the names. It's all fine. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm just th- so thrilled that you've come on. And just yesterday, I finished your beautiful book, The Art of Aliveness, and I just loved it. It's such a beautiful book. And I think for many artists, it isn't too long before they make that connection that what's happening in the journey of creating art is is showing ripples in other areas of their life. And this book kind of feels like a testament to that process. Is that kind of how it felt when you were writing it? Yeah, I mean, that's, I love, well, first of all, thank you for reading it. And I think that observation is really spot on. And that's my hope anyways with the book is that people will start to make those connections and see the parallels. And and I wrote the book hoping to, you know, reach people that maybe aren't artists too, and to have that feel like an invitation into that world. And then for people that do, you know, identify as, as creative artists that they would start to, yeah, kind of see how it spills out into really every aspect of life is how I see it. So I'm glad that you got that. Oh, I love that you're taking that message that you found within art and seeing how you can expand that more broadly because I feel in some ways us artists are spoiled in a way because we get access to this whole realm of wisdom through our art practice. And I kind of feel sad for the rest of the world that they don't get to experience that. So I love that you have created a book that's all about articulating the connection between those two things and that you don't have to be an artist to live creatively. Exactly. Yeah, I think we're, you know, we're still coming out of that old paradigm where a lot of people don't consider themselves, well, definitely not artists, but even creative. You know, I hear that from a lot of people that they, for whatever reason, maybe, a you know, something that happened when they were younger or things they've been told, or they've just never really explored that path, um, that they, that it, it's almost like, um, they need to be reminded uh, that we all, because we're humans, have this creative capacity. You know, we were we were born on this magical creative carpet ride. This is how we got here, and mm. it's and it's in all of us. And so, I feel like that's part of my my mission in life, if you will, is to just sort of gently remind people that you know you too have it. And really, so much about being an artist is just practice. And, and showing up and flexing those muscles. And, um, you know, some people might do that a little more naturally or be drawn to that earlier on. But um, I one thing I love as a, as a teacher is seeing people 
realize that they can do it. It's such a mm. cool process, you know, because the, you know, I teach painting. And so we have this actual thing that we're making, right? Like an actual object. And it's such a beautiful reflection for, for folks to, to step back and go, wow, I made that. I did that. Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's interesting. I I trained as an intuitive coach before I went forward into painting, which I think is why your first book, uh, Brave Intuitive Painting, was such a great lead-in for me because I'd already been working with that whole in that whole realm of intuition and working with intuition and then saw your book. I'm like, oh my God, the world's collided in the most oh. magic way. And and it unfolded for me from that place. So it's so true, isn't it? It's like almost like wherever the entry point is for people, it's just it's kind of like a turnkey, isn't it, where once people realise that they can delve into that world, whether it be through painting or some other avenue that leads them into a relationship with their creativity, mm. it's all the opportunity is always there. It's always there. It all is there. Hey, you start off the book by telling a story of your first painting professor and how he walked in the room and said, well, we have a thousand bad paintings in us, so let's get going. Can you talk a bit through this uh, starting point and how it inspired your painting journey then and beyond? Yeah, well, it's really what we were just speaking to around mm. practice. And I think when I, you know, so I was 18, maybe 19 when I took that class and it just, you know, it, it like gave me permission when he said we all have a thousand bad paintings in us. I was like, oh, okay, whew, like I don't have to get it right. I don't have to, you know, just, you know, know how to do this. Like the, what he was saying was that like anything, you know, you have to practice and show up and it's through the experience of being in action with anything that you learn about it, you know, especially with painting, I feel like, sure, you can read books, and they might be supportive, but really, the way to learn how to paint is to paint. And so, um, yeah, I loved that, you know, he was this grumpy old guy. So it was kind of funny, but it really did stick with me all these years, because I have learned so much about painting and about living through the process of painting. And, you know, it's just, I didn't know then how that it would teach me about living too. I was really just there to learn how to paint, I thought. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but, but as I, you know, spent all those years painting and then all the last 10 plus years, um, you know, guiding other people to paint, I have become increasingly more and more fascinated with how it teaches us about living even beyond how interested I, interested I am in the painting itself. It's like, sure, that's always going to be something I love, but I just have found, and that's, you know, that led me to write this book, The Art of Aliveness, which is, um, I always, I think of it as like a book book, like there's not even any pictures in the book, right? It's not a book mm -hmm. about how to paint. It's a book mm -hmm. about what I've learned from painting over these last 25 years. You know, so I think, um, I like to think that, you know, not everybody has to paint or not even, you mm. know, like when anyone does anything for that long and really goes deep into anything. So for anyone listening, you know, think of something that you've been doing for many years and all that you've learned about that subject and then how you could distill the most potent gems that you've learned from showing up again and again and again to this practice for other people to be able to benefit from your dedication that that's really how i feel about this book is like here let me let me share some things so you don't have to maybe figure it all out on your own you know or just maybe i think it's a lot of what the book feels like is just connecting the dots kind of going like okay creativity is this really big realm you know mm. it's like oh my gosh it's huge and then life is this <laughs> very mm -hmm. big realm and so i feel like what the book is at least my intention was just to kind of connect the dots and be like, how is this all related? So I hope, yeah. I hope that it's, it's helpful for people. I think it definitely will be. And one of the things I loved about it is having read your other books and also seen your other books because they're much more visual and instructional. I feel like there were so many topics that 
are discussed within those books, but you just went so much deeper in this book because that was the space to do so. And they're all areas that I've always felt was so rich. And as you journey on in life, as you say, those lessons become so much more obvious. And I don't know that I think we are actually exactly the same age. And I think by our age, you know, you've experienced, you've, you've gone to the depths a few times and you've had to tackle things in life that are really difficult and it feels like this book gets to the core of that like you know for people that really are are mining deeply in their life experience for Mm. understanding and and a way to go about life that's going to enrich them and it definitely does that Mm. I just loved it yeah I I couldn't have written this book 10 years ago even Mm. you know it, it really needed to happen now I get <laughs> that. I get that. Yes. And yeah. the fact that you wrote it during the pandemic as well. Yeah, that ended up being a really interesting thing. I started writing it at the very end of 2019. And then, you know, my deadline was supposed to be, I think, around May of 2020. And, you know, once the pandemic hit, I had to call my publisher and just say, hey, look, I'm pretty sure that the whole world is changing right now. And I'm pretty sure that what it means to be alive is changing and that I need to just, you know, kind of be with all of this change and and feel into it and see how it wants to come through this book. And so he, he graciously gave me a bit of an extension because I just couldn't write for those couple, like March, April of last year. I was like, I can't write right now. Mm. I just am with everybody else trying to hang on for dear life and see where Mm. we're going and but then and then all of a sudden like a couple months later once we'd really been in it a little while it just started to pour through and I just thought wow this is a really really potent time to be writing a book about aliveness and you know conveniently it ends up all of my retreats that I normally teach were also cancelled and so I really had this spaciousness that like a lot of us did where I was home, there was nothing else going on. Mm. And so I really was able to go, I think, even deeper with the with the book, which I'm really grateful for in retrospect. Yeah, it's it's kind of perfect. It's in, it was interesting observing all of my fellow creatives in that process. It was sort of there was that period of adjustment you know, getting a lay of the land. And then we just all kind of settled into our own creative process, whatever that was that came forward for the moment. And I felt like in some ways those time, these times have been made for us, you know, like, oh yeah, we're, you know, and to hear you talk about, um, you know, what you're really talking about is when you're really present with the situation, what the situation told you was that it was not time to be writing right at that moment. And mm-hmm. this is exactly what you talk about in the book. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, such a big present, part of my... Exactly. Such a big part of my painting process revolves around the idea of being open to change, like letting the painting change, turning the canvas upside down, letting things go, letting new things come in, trying things on. And, and it was like, gosh, if, if there wasn't, if that wasn't the biggest lesson of COVID, I don't really know what was, but it's like, we all had to just like bend our knees and, and go for this ride. And I really do agree that, you know, when I looked around at my, my really, you know, my artist friends, my creative friends, people that are deep in that kind of way of being um, regularly, they were the ones who really kind of thrived uh, over the last year. You know, Mm. they're like, oh, we got to adjust to change. Okay. We can (laughs) do this. (laughs) I'm going to brainstorm some new ways of making money and, or whatever that was, you know? And, And, and yeah, for many artists, it just gave them that, that, that beautiful pause that we all desire to be able to do Mm. our creative work in. Absolutely. You look, you wrote a beautiful chapter about change actually in the book and, and it was one of my favorites and it's called commit fully while staying open to change. And you touch on some points that I really needed to hear. And I think that our listeners might need to, might relate to as well. And in it, you talk about your IVF journey that didn't end with a baby for you and what you learned from that harrowing process. I just have to say, I was really touched by that because I went through that process as well. And I very was very fortunate to be able to have children. So, but I had to, I had to, you know, really feel through that other avenue. So it really touched me and had a lot of compassion for where you're at. 
And look, I loved how you describe how important it is to fully commit in your intention and then remain open to what happens rather than doggedly attaching to a perceived outcome. And I just mm-hmm. thought that was so poignant and I'd love to hear you talk about that a little bit more. Mm. Yeah. Um, when I'm teaching my painting classes, there's there's a point where I say to everybody, okay, is everybody listening? Because I'm about to give you the the golden key to this whole process. And I'm going to sum it up in one sentence. You know, that really gets people's attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I say, okay, here it is. You have to commit fully while staying open to change. And it, it's like, you can kind of see people's faces trying to figure that out because it feels like two different, almost opposing yeah, right. things. And that's the thing, right? But it's actually the key, which is why I really wanted to make this front and centre in the conversation. So go for yeah. it, Flora. We're yeah. listening. Yeah, <laughs> it is It is the key. And, it, and, and so, you know, to commit fully, like for me, I told the story of IVF because, you know, you've been on that journey. It is a commitment. You're, you go mm. all in or you don't go in at all. And it's so emotionally risky because you really like, it really is getting to the core of like a core desire in life. So yes, so emotionally risky. Mm. Yeah, so much. But I just decided, okay, I want to, I want to have children and this is the most committed thing I could do to try to make that happen. And I knew then when I started that if, if it didn't work out, in the way that I wanted that at least I would at least I will know for for always that I did as much as I could Mm. and I and I need it so that's why I was like I have to go all in Mm, it's the full commitment yeah the full commitment two feet in and at the same time you know this painting I've been doing this painting process for 20 plus years and so I know on a really really deep level the importance of staying open to change because in painting when we you know, we can commit fully to something with attachment. That's a very different way of painting than committing to something with the openness to change. And this is obviously, this is a big thing in life as well. So when we commit to something fully, that feels really good, right? We go, we go I know mm-hmm. what I want and I'm going to go for it. And, you know, if you're painting, maybe it's just like, I'm going to paint a figure in this painting. I'm going to put a woman figure right here. Okay, great. You know, it's like, put her there, but then be open to change. Because if what happens when we're not open to change, when we're attached to that one singular outcome, is that every other possibility that could happen is suddenly seen as not the thing you want. (laughs) And so you really, it's like, I always imagine like all the windows and all the doors and all the thing, all the possibility just shut down. And you get so focused on it wanting to be this one certain way. And I see this happen in my workshops all the time. People get so attached to that one, whatever they want that. Sometimes it's as simple as like, I put this circle there and now that circle is going to stay no matter what, you know, and sometimes eventually I have to say like, you know, you, that circle might need to go, even if it can come back in another place on the painting, because right now it's like, completely stopping your flow of being free (laughs) because everything's revolving around this one idea that you had. And so, yeah, it was really, really helpful for me on the IVF journey, you know, when it, when it didn't work out, when I didn't, you know, have children that way um, for me to just go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, (laughs) <laughs> accept what's happening right I mean which is a huge is. step in itself oh it's just such say, a journey. like such a journey yeah. to get to I that mean, point I mm. can be like oh yeah I just had to accept it but it was you know it's it was year it was years of processing this and mm. but what really really helped me still to this day as I've you know reckoned with the fact that I'm not you know a mother of human children. Um, I'm looking at my dog as I say that. <laughs> I'm about to um, get a puppy, so I relate. I'm going oh, in for yeah. the puppy, but, but yes, sorry. The whole other kind of <laughs> It is. Yeah. Um, is that I really um, consciously chose to look for the open windows. Mm. So when that door closed, instead of just like staring at that closed door and being really, really you know, <laughs> like I could, I think there's people that hold that their whole lives, yeah, you know, I think and, yeah, it becomes and I, a very deep point that people can struggle to get out of super, that hole. Yeah. yeah. 
and I get it, you know, I get mm. it. I really do. And for me personally, I didn't want to live that way, hanging on to something that didn't work for the rest of my life. And so I just thought, well, okay, what can I do that maybe I couldn't have done if I had had babies right now? And, you know, for me, that looked like, well, I'm going to go to Bali for a couple months and I'm going to, you know, write books and like do create courses and make paintings and, you know, sleep. go on sleep. <laughs> <laughs> do a bunch of self-care yeah, <laughs> and like, you know, so like take naps whenever I want them. Mm -hmm. um, all the things that we, that us non-parents, you know, it's like we get that. And so I just chose, you know, I, over and over again, like still I have to just choose to be focusing on, on, on what's working, which is another one of my concepts that I talk about in the process. And in the book, it's like working with what's working. Yeah. Another great chapter in the book. Yeah. So. Versus like, you know, in art school, you were really taught to kind of look for the, you know, for what's not working. And, oh and gosh. What, yes. I right? wanted to get into this with you because like <laughs> this whole, and, and the obsession with critiques and how I just think for for me personally that just shuts me down I have no interest in being critiqued or critiquing other creatives so yeah let's go there because you have feelings about this too and you've taught a lot over the last 10 years right yeah so yeah. you and you and I know that you teach I mean we can already get a sense of the way that you teach and work with creatives from what you're saying from a deeply compassionate place that respects the journey of the individual so can you talk about your perspective on critiquing and also this art school focus on what's not working? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a time and place to put on a critical eye and lens. Um, so I'm not saying like that's never something that I do. Um, however, mm. I think that we live in a society that is highly focused on what's not working and that and that's driven you know quite honestly by like capitalism and the patriarchy mm -hmm. and all of these you know forces that are kind of going this you need this to to be better you know you're, you're not you're not okay as you are so we're going to focus on what's wrong and then we're going to sell you a thing or we're going to convince you that you need to change in some way and so i think it's a pretty radical thing actually to work this is my you know i call it work with what's working and mm -hmm. so to really put on that lens and i like to even just visually think of it that way like we're going to change the lens through mm -hmm. which we're even looking at this painting because what happens is that people and and most of my students are women they come in and the cri the critical mind is on fire you know it's like they're they're just looking for the problems in their painting and 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 I and I know it's because that's how we are trained and that is how that's like the air we breathe often mm -hmm. and so I think it's a really cool thing to just even say okay what's working like if we're only looking for what's working tell me one thing that's working even if it's one square inch of your canvas if it's one little color one little mark or something that you really really love let's look at that because what happens i have found is that when we find the thing that's working that's an open door to what you do next and so i say work with what's working so okay so you like that color maybe add more of that color or maybe bring in the complement of that color so that color really pops against its opposite you know it's like however you want to work with it is that's always up to the individual painter but um it's like all of a sudden there's a path forward versus when we're looking for what's not working, then we're just like stuck and more stuck and more stuck. And we kind of feel our body kind of shutting down mm. and not knowing what to do next because, oh God, this, I don't like this part or this part or this part. And so it's like, let's just let all of that go for now and, and really train ourselves to look for what's working. And, and I've heard from many of my students that that is the biggest takeaway that they actually take into their life. Like they, they go away from the retreat and that just that little simple sentence of work with what's working gives them this reframe on how they're 
seeing things, you know, and um, I love that. And I, and I, I use it myself all the time. It's like, okay, there might be some really hard situation. There's going to be something that's working about it. Even if it's one of those like, you know, hidden gems, like silver linings, you know, like in COVID, I mean, obviously COVID was a, a, a awful thing for so many people. And there was a lot of silver linings if you were able mm. to, you know, see it that way. Mm. So it's so true. Yeah. And it's so interesting how much of what you just said actually fits with what we were talking about earlier about that commit fully while staying open to change. It's it's all yeah. about searching for opportunity and searching for positive, even in those moments that feel so difficult that we can't get out of them. And I think self-criticism is actually one of those things for a lot of people that it can shut them down and it can shut down people that were meant to be artists for their whole life. Oh, absolutely. And it can Mm. get in the way of even starting. Yes. You know, I think that fear of doing something wrong, Mm -hmm. fear of it not being good enough, you know, I, I, I think that gets people to a place where they never even try. And that, yeah, that's really sad. That's the saddest <laughs> thing of all, isn't it? Yeah. Hey guys, are you loving what you're hearing on the podcast and craving a bit more from my studio? Then consider checking out my e-course trilogy, Painting as a Practice, playful classes in mixed media painting designed to nurture your authentic style. If you're a beginner painter or seeking some fresh new approaches in your art, then check out Chapter 1, Laying Solid Foundations. Or if you'd like to learn more about my ways with colour and mixed media art supplies, then Chapter 2 is a great option. And if you're seeking to really hone your creative style or learn how to create a series of larger works on canvas, then Chapter 3 is a brilliant option. Each chapter is just 77 US dollars each, or you can pick up the discounted bundle of all three courses for just 219 US dollars. To learn more, be sure to head on over to the link in the show notes or susanadvocatestudio.com forward slash online dash classes. I'll see you soon. Hey, I loved your your chapter on contrast can you walk Mm. us through your insights relating to contrast in painting and life and your thoughts on hanging out in midtown (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much (laughs) oh Suze I would love to talk to you about contrast because it is one of my (laughs) topics that I really kind of geek out on Um, I think it was actually probably one of the most important pieces I took away when I took because I took I think your very first offering of very intuitive paint was it Bloom, bloom true, bloom true. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that piece, having that early, was so important for my mm. development as an artist. So I, mm. I really want to hear you speak about this. Yeah. So contrast, if you're talking visual art, is a, an incredibly potent concept for people to understand um, because it's what brings aliveness and vibrancy and pop and energy to a piece. So there's lots of different kinds of contrast, Um, like value contrast is a great example. So value contrast is like lights and darks. And that specifically is the one where that phrase midtown came from because Mm -hmm. um, what, so my, my friend Lindsay Lynx, who helps me Uh, teach my workshops, you know, we would always notice like, wow, but especially beginning painters would have this tendency to not use dark or light paint. They would stay in the mid value range. And so Lynx coined the term midtown. Like she's like, everybody's hanging out in midtown. (laughs) And so um, I found, you know, as I, you know, as I've obviously love to make these connections to life, you know, really see. So some other examples before I go into that is, you know, like color contrast, like a red next to a green, those are going to be opposite colors. So it's going to, there's going to be a vibrancy, even things like big shapes and small shapes or quiet spaces with activated spaces next to it. So this idea of um, variation is another word that I often use um, Mm. is, is what, what brings life to a, to a painting and often what people do is that new painters especially is that they'll be in the mid value all their shapes will be the same size they get really attached to using one kind of brush over and over 
and they don't work with those like opposing colors, right? They're like all in the blues and greens family or something like that. And so it's a concept that I'm always teaching about. It's like, look, this is a tool and it, and so what, what feels scary about it? I think this is my theory is that when we bring in contrast, it's like, we're really committing to being bold. Whereas if we're hanging out in Midtown, it's like, well, we're not really rocking the boat too much in any direction. We're just going to kind of do things that feel sort of like mid, you know, like sort mm. of neutral or Safe. I'm not really, I'm not going to put that really big shape on the canvas. I'm going to put like 10 medium shaped things on the canvas instead. But, but the thing is when you put that one big shape on the canvas and then some other maybe little shapes and then some medium shapes, the painting becomes much more dynamic. It's just how, it's just how visual art goes. And so I think when people kind of get that through the painting process, it's not too hard to make the leap into like, okay, where am I hanging out in Midtown in my life? Where am I afraid to just go big, like really go for something? You know, and, and when I say that, I'd be interested people listening, is there something that just popped into your mind? Like mm -hmm. when you think about like really getting bold and doing something that feels like, whoa, <laughs> that would be bold, mm -hmm. but it's, you, you know, your heart wants it. Mm. I feel like we always, some, we always, most of us have something that sort of lives inside of us like that, like some, oh, yeah. right. Or many Finally. things perhaps. Yes. And yes. so, yeah. So the chapter on, on contrast is just about like, you know, creating that in your life and, and even things like having different types of people in your life, you know, like the difference between having a dinner party where everybody's kind of the same versus, you know, just, this is sort of just a visualization, like imagine a table of people where people are coming from different walks of life and, you know, it might get rowdy, it might get hard, but it's going to be alive right? There's mm. going to be a vibrancy there. Um, so I, I do something in my life where I'm seeking out contrast. You know, if I feel like I've been kind of doing, if my days are starting to feel sort of like, okay, I've been doing the same thing, I will intentionally take myself somewhere or I will go eat a different kind of food or I'll, you know, what whatever, like there's a million different ways. The other day, I guess it was a couple of months ago now, it snowed in Portland, which was really um, pretty unusual for us. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to put my running shoes on and I'm going to put on this like piano music in my headphones and I'm going to go run through the snowy park. Awesome. <laughs> and I just, it's like create an experience for yourself that is going to be something different than what you normally do mm. because when we that's why people travel you know i mean it's like there's nothing like travel that will give you contrast quicker i, I think yes. especially if you're going to some place that's really quite different than where you live it's like wow everything's different here right yeah. um but yeah even just you know yeah making like talking to a stranger that's maybe someone you wouldn't normally talk to i, I just think that life becomes much more rich when we invite that kind of variation and contrast. And it's easy to not do it. It's easy to get in habits. We're creatures of habit. <laughs> so it's really, really easy to have our lives start to feel like, wow, there's, it's very predictable, which, you know, is safe on our nervous systems too. And so mm -hmm. I want to acknowledge that, that, that contrast and, and spicing things up can, can sometimes feel unsafe depending on people's experiences. And so, mm that's a consideration. And I, and so, but there's also safe ways to, to create contrast. Like, you know, for me running in the snow with my headphones mm. on was, you know, not like flying to some foreign country or something. Yeah. And so it doesn't have to be yeah. difficult, does it? I it went through those, I went through those very simple questions that you asked in that chapter and answered them for myself. And mm. it was so simple and they were not groundbreaking, difficult things to do. They were just as you say, simply seeking out, well, what would the contrast be to this, which isn't making you particularly happy at the moment? And the answer yep. was very simple. It was a micro yeah. shift. It was mm. things like connecting with people that I haven't connected with in a while. Mm. You know, as you said, running in the snow for me, it was around, you know, 
it's winter, don't want to go outside, make sure you go outside, you know, make sure you're connecting with nature, all the simple things. And it makes me think of that, um, that phrase too, the definition of insanity, which is keeping on doing the same thing when it's not working, which how many yeah, of us are ex- guilty of doing that? different results. That's yeah. exactly it. Thank you. I didn't get yeah. quite get this, the saying, but thank you. Well, and I think, you know, just circling back to COVID because, hey, we're, this, is, this is what's happening, is like COVID forced a lot of contrast it into did. our lives. Yes. You know, uh, yeah, like in so many ways, in so many yes. ways and, and different for each person. But I think in the contrast, there was a lot of uh, waking up that happened. People mm-hmm. seeing things in new ways, kind of going, oh, wow, I actually like my life when I'm not doing X, Y, and Z that I'm not able to do right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like there's been this like incredible amount of, um, you know, <laughs> sort of what's the word I'm looking for, like rearranging or just like shaking of mm. shaking up of how it's been. Um, and I know it's been really hard for a lot of people. So I want to acknowledge that too. But also like, yeah, we're still thinking? currently Melbourne's in lockdown again. Oh, uh, right. And we I were in I'm lockdown like the week over. before. Well, it, that's it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, yes, it's sort of past tense, and you're in summer. And we've just had this clear many, many, many months of freedom and not being in lockdown but we're in winter again so but again it's that how do you meet that do something different to what you did last time invite the contrast to this situation because I think that the atmosphere over it is heavier this time because Mm. it there's no novelty factor anymore and you know we were Melbourne was in lockdown for a very long time in a very severe way last year so there's a lot of trauma there as well but yes so but I but the lesson still holds true right which is how are you going to meet it this time and what are you going to do differently? So I often use this phrase to create Banks of the River. And the idea is that, you know, sometimes when anything is possible, as it often is in the creative process, people get really overwhelmed. There's like too many choices. I mean, mm. I feel like this at the grocery store. You know, I'm like, uh, I oh, God. every day of my life. Yes. Yeah. I think the entrepreneurial like, life, you know. Yeah. There's a million things that you can do in any given moment. And it's like, ah, I don't know what to do. And so with painting, I say, okay, pick a couple things. Is it going to be, you know, I'm going to work with dark colors and triangles or whatever, whatever it is, you know, Mm -hmm. and even just for that one layer of the painting, it doesn't have to be forever. Give yourself some restrictions so that you can feel more free inside of them. And so I definitely thought about this a lot over the past year. I thought, oh, wow, the world has we have some steep banks of the river going on here. Like all mm. of a sudden we can't do a whole, like, ev- like everything narrowed in, right? Yeah. Like all the things that we used to be able to do weren't available to many of us anymore. And so I found it fascinating to look at that through this lens of the creative process and banks of the river and like, how can we be really free with this restriction? You know, how, what's still available? So it's looking for, again, it kind of circles back to working with what's working. Um, and, be, you know, being open to the change, all these things kind of interconnect. But I, that one really helped me during COVID. I just, it really helped me to go, well, what can I still do? What's still yeah. available? I can still be in my garden. I can still, you know, paint. I can mm. run. <laughs> yeah. And they were all yeah. the simple things that we all came back to, weren't they? Exactly. And it was beautiful. It was. (laughs) Hey, I wanted to talk a bit about your chapter, Move and Be Moved, because it was one of the most exquisitely beautiful chapters in the book. And I was so touched. And in it, you describe your experience of finally allowing yourself to really feel and embody the grief that you felt over the passing of your mother, which had happened a few years before. And if it's okay with you, I'd love to read the chapter. Or if you've got a copy of the book, if you want to read the chapter, I don't you, know. Do you, you have it there? I'll, I can uh, do it. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'd love to hear you read it. Okay. So this is on page 93. I ended up spending most of the day in my studio alone. I painted, danced, wailed in a pile on the ground and repeated this sweaty, teary cycle for hours on end. It was painful and heart opening all at the same time. And by the end of the day, I felt cleansed and alive. I also felt deeply connected to the spirit of my mama. 
fully expressing my grief brought gratitude, spaciousness and connection. And it goes on. It's such a beautiful chapter. Mm. But I could totally relate to this through my own lens of processing childhood trauma. Can you describe for us what you think is gained when we fully allow ourselves to be deeply moved and embodied in our experience of our emotions and how engaging with our creative practice in that process can help? Mm. Yeah. Oh, so many things there. Um, I well, asked really me, complex multi-leg questions, sorry. No, it's great. <laughs> I love this stuff. <laughs> so, I mean, just a little bit of background. You know, I'm a person that did not grow up uh, being shown how to express emotions. Um, that was just like not something we did, really. Mm-hmm. And so I have really, as an adult, had to figure that out and, and you know, realizing that, oh, wait, that's a really important thing to do because if I don't do that i mean when we don't feel the feelings in a full and deep way and in my case i like to move my body also mm-hmm. there's like a somatic piece to it i think there I, is for a lot of people but often that's not given permission because it's right. a bit crazy or something you know right yeah no we're supposed to just like be still and grieve or something yeah i i'm all about the movement that really really helps me um you know, it's like the, it to me. It's a way of moving them through, mm. versus having them get stuck. And like, because I feel like the unprocessed grief comes out sideways in our lives in mm-hmm. in other ways. Whether it turns into anger, or it, the de- the grief gets deeper, um, more intense, or we just shut down. Uh, what you know, we become apathetic. Like there's so many different ways that it can um, affect us if we're not being honest with what is. And that's what I really, that's where I've come to with all of this is that I'm just my, one of my goals in life is to just be honest with what is true for me. And so I had this epiphany last summer where I realized, oh wait, if I'm not, if I'm not being honest with my grief and my sadness, my anxiety, my depression, like all those things, meaning I'm not letting myself go there is what I mean by not mm-hmm. being honest with it is that I'm, I'm being like, Oh, I'm fine. Yes. <laughs> or I'm feeling that way. And then I'm sort of putting a layer of guilt on myself for feeling that way. That's another way. Something that I do. Um, then I, I, what I realized is that I'm not, how am I going to experience joy and contentment and all the those wonderful parts of life in a full honest way if i haven't been practicing being honest with myself and so to me it was that was sort of a light bulb moment where i just thought oh right i want the full spectrum i want it all i want to experience the highs and the lows in a way that is just honest and that has really given me the space to do that in a way where I'm not I'm not trying to speed through it I'm not trying to you know make it easier than it is or whatever you know I say somewhere in the beginning of the book like this book is not the art of aliveness is not about being your best self (laughs) it's about it's about being a (laughs) present to wherever you are in the process of your life right you know, it's just, it's like it's in the painting process. It's like, if you're going to let the moments of, you know, when the painting's all ugly and you don't know what's going on, it's like, it's so easy to want to just bail in that moment and think, ah, forget about it, you know? But if you can really be with that part of the process and keep going, you know, like mm. go into it and keep going, then you get to get to the other side. I always think like we don't get to have a breakthrough unless we actually get stuck, mm. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And so I'm, I'm just, I don't know. And I think this comes with age too, is that I'm just like, I'm here for all of it. Yes. I, I'm here for all of it. And I really want to like it. You can't have aliveness if you don't have these grief. And if you don't have, you know, these, these, these emotions that we might label as less savory, you know, yeah, less definitely. desirable. And I think and one, I of have the, learned, 
Sorry, I was just going to say, I think one of the things that comes along with a few more years on the planet is you figure out that going to those depths won't in fact kill you. Because I think we think in our younger years, if I go there, will I ever recover? It's so dangerous. But when you go there, you discover that that's the release is that's Mm. the portal to the other side. You have to go to these places. Yeah, I love that you use the word release. That really describes like that day that I talk about in the book was mm. Mother's Day. And I would yes. always, you know, I would that would always just be this dreaded holiday for me. It was also the time of the year that my mom passed. And and so it was just like, oh God, Mother's Day is coming. Mm. <laughs> and on, on that particular day, I decided, you know what? I'm gonna just go deep. I'm just gonna close the curtains, turn my phone off. And like, this is going to be a day of grief for me. I'm just going to, I'm not going to try to make it anything else. And so I did, I painted and I danced and I was crying a lot. And I was just like, just a ball on the ground. (laughs) I remember Mm. many times throughout the day. And then I I really distinctly remember sitting out in my garden at like in the evening. And I was like, I just felt so good. I felt Mm. peaceful. I felt like my mom and I had just hung out all day, you know, like it was, Mm -hmm. she was so close. And I felt this lightness that the only way that I would have gotten there was to go deep and to, and to really let. And so, yeah, Uh, I totally relate to that. When I was going through the depths of my trauma therapy, I, on, you know, and I was having for a while there therapy a couple of times a week and I'd have my therapy session. That would just, that would just, really full on and then the only thing I could do was paint Mm. and the weird thing that happened in that time was that was when my art career really took off because I think Mm. there was some kind of rawness and honesty and I don't know some kind of strange alchemy that happens when you paint from a place of just I don't even understand what's going on here but I just know that there's raw processing that needs to happen that somehow landed on the canvas in a way that touched other people I think that's Mm. what happened oh I I bet it did yeah I absolutely yeah the paintings I did during the time after my mom passed I think are some of the best pieces I've ever done you know they're they're Mm. really there's a lot in them um Mm. I was feeling a lot when I painted them. And um, for me, it sounds like similar to you. It was my connection to to my grieving process was like, this is something I can actually do where it's, I feel like painting gives us a place to put things. Well, that's right. It's a kind, (laughs) And also if you come from a background, which I think just by virtue of the generation I grew up in as well, it's not as socially acceptable in terms of the, you know, just the shut, there's shut down emotional stuff that comes with it being a child of the seventies, right? The honesty that turns up on the canvas that I think it's that the painting is kind of a socially acceptable way to embody really extreme emotions because you can move paint around on a canvas and smoosh it together and use hugely emotive colors and be very physicalized in what you're doing, right? To express the feeling you're having. And it was such a valuable tool for me because I kind of just didn't know what else to do to embody it right yeah no I think I've I've often used the phrase like paint it out oh, <laughs> you yes. know, like whatever you know gosh I mean as humans we're going through and have been going through some really big hard things and you know it's only gonna get more like this yeah. it's just we're we're in a we're in a major time of transformation like everybody knows and I feel like it is becoming vital for people to have outlets to process their experiences as humans on the planet right now. And so whatever that looks like, like we both love to paint, you know, I also love to dance. Oh, me too. The the chapters on Burning Man took me right back to all of my Rainbow Serpent festivals and uh, yes, love that. But anyway, keep going. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think, you know, we this is why it's so important to get over that. Like I'm not creative story. If anyone still has that lingering, because it's like, you know what creativity is, it's your human aliveness is what it is like, Mm. you know? And so stepping into that. So whether that looks like I'm going to paint or I'm going to move my body or I'm going to bang on a drum or I'm going to write poems or, you know, whatever it looks like, it's like, we need 
well, first of all, we need all hands on deck. You know, we, mm. we need, we're in a time where people need to connect to their aliveness, their humanity, what makes them come alive, and then find ways to express and contribute, mm. bring the thing that only you can bring. Mm. Like, I feel like we're in a time where it's like, oh, okay, if you've been holding back, <laughs> now's the this time. Would, this would be a really good time to bring it forward. And that goes for mm. healers. You know, it's like all the healers, all the artists, like all the thinkers, all the people that are, are coming with creative solutions because we need all of that right now. That's what I, I think that, you know, my, my feeling of like creativity is what's going to save the world is like not really that's not like a bumper sticker, you know, that's not mm -hmm. like a far-fetched thing. It's like, actually, we need to change the way in which we've been doing things as humans on the planet, okay? So, so all true. so many systems need overhauling right now, different ways of relating to people, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Like, and so I think it's like, this is a time for creativity. You know, this, if, if ever there was <laughs> a time mm -hmm. for creativity, I think it's, it's now, and, and I love that, you know, any creative modality, whether it be painting or another one, gives it just the way I see it is that it's strengthening the muscles of creativity in general. And so when we're facing our life with issues that need creative solutions, it's like, well, if you've been painting all day, you're going to be much more apt to have your brain. I mean, it'd be cool to, if the, I'm sure there's been studies on this, or I hope there, there are. It's like, how is, how is your brain actually affected by engaging in creative practices? And how does that allow you to just more easily be in a place of improvisation and spontaneity and, and adaptability to change, like we were talking about before? It's like, the, this is the stuff that I think like kids coming in these days uh, that's need to be yeah I, th I i personally think like adaptability is one of the most important things a kid is needing to get a grasp on and probably COVID helped them with that yeah 100 they're learning 100%. huge lessons about that yeah. right now it's it's and this all leads beautifully actually into i wanted to talk a bit about your chapter dancing between comfort and risk because in order to engage in that way um, you know, you've got to have some kind of relationship with that, don't you? And you talk about how important the process of evolving into something new is and how it's often really messy to do that. Can you talk a bit about how you've seen this process play out on the canvas and also in times in transition in life? Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, when we do anything over and over again, there's sort of, there's a benefit in that we become more comfortable with it more fluid, right? More understanding of it, whatever it is we're doing. But then there's sort of this other side in that we get can get a little lazy, you know? Mm -hmm. it's, we're sort of like, I, I talk about, um, you know, if you imagine having a basket of all of the things you've learned painting, all your painting tricks, right? All mm -hmm. your little, your favorite brushes and your colors that you love and the things that you do mm -hmm. with the paint and all the stuff that you get to have because you've been painting for a bunch of years, right? Mm -hmm. Like you only get that stuff because you've you've learned it over time. What I think and what I tell my students is that great to have the basket of tricks. Like, awesome, you've, just, you've earned all of that. Now put it behind you. So it's not in between you and the canvas, right? Because when all of your, you know, tricks and favorite dance moves are like right there all of a sudden what happens is that we get into sort of a robot mode you know mm -hmm. we just go oh i know i know i can do this and this and this and it's gonna look good well great and there might be a time where that's the kind of day you need in the studio right that might be really good for your nervous system <laughs> just to be like i'm gonna lean into comfort today like i'm all mm -hmm. for that also but it's this dance and that's why i called the chapter the the dance between comfort and risk is that is that if you hang out in comfort too long, you're cutting yourself off from the aliveness that comes from being a little bit uncomfortable, you that, know, from, yes. from being out on the edge of what is known, like that feeling you have when you're learning something new and you're just like, oh my God, I'm not good at this. Uh, the learning curve is steep, <laughs> mm -hmm. but there's an aliveness in that, right? Mm -hmm. And so... 
I do things in my own painting process because I've been painting for so long where I will say to myself, okay, you're not allowed to paint any birds, branches, or pods in this painting, (laughs) for example. (laughs) Like those are things that I've often painted, right? So it's like, okay, well, wow, if birds, branches, and pods (laughs) are not legal anymore in this painting, what else can I paint? And all of a sudden, I have to come up with new things. And that's how we evolve, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's how we evolve. And it's also how we stay inspired and stay con- authentically connected to whatever it is we're doing. So whether it's on the canvas or in life, it's like there's there comes a time where we have to purposefully put ourselves out of our comfort zones. You know, there's like that little meme that says like, your comfort zone and then where the magic happens and like the magic is outside of the circle of comfort. Yes. (laughs) Which is often true. You know, it's often when we're just like, wow, okay, I've never been here before um, that, that the magic happens. And so, yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting conversation. I actually just did a commission last week and the people wanted a painting based on an older painting. From I'm like, just doing exactly the same thing at the moment behind me. Really? Yes. Yeah, so let's talk so about my, that. Yeah. <laughs> so they were like, we love this painting. And it was from like 2010. And I was like, yeah. okay. And, um, but I'm kind of in a space right now, like I'm in a sort of a nurturing, like gentle space uh, for a variety of reasons. And so I just thought, you know what? That sounds kind of fun. Like, Mm. yes, I will paint you a huge painting based on a painting from 11 years ago, you know, and, and they knew, you know, we had the conversation where I said, it's, it's not going to be that painting, you know, it's going to be inspired by that painting. And so Mm. I found it so comforting to look, to be able to have a color palette that, for one, I haven't painted it in a long time. So it was like, oh, yeah, my old friend Green Gold. Like, I haven't painted you and used you in so long. And like all these colors that came out and these shapes. And the whole process was really relaxing for me. It was easy because mm-hmm. I, I was, you know, I was using a lot of my signature dance moves. Like, I was just kind of in my, like, oh, I'm going to do all the things I know. And you know what? That was fine. That was mm-hmm. wonderful. I really liked it. And do I want to keep doing that? No. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like maybe I would do one or two more like that, but then I'm going to get, I'm going to get, I know myself and mm-hmm. I'm going to get bored, you know? Yeah. I, and, and so for me, like the reason that I have come back to painting year after year after year and still been like, I'm still painting is because I often paint on the edge of what is known. Like I often mm. push myself out there in various ways. And so the process never gets old yeah. you know and you know my process is based on not having a plan <laughs> ah, and yes. so, Pure and so the whole point is like no plan going in mm-hmm. you know like just be open let it evolve organically and I find that way of creating to be really exciting it can be really challenging too but it's there's a there's an aliveness to it you know and, yeah. and so and there's yeah. a place for all of it, isn't there? You know, yeah. I just went, came out of a period where I created a huge body of new work that was very different for me, very different color palette, straight from the heart, did not sell well. So, <laughs> you know, but it, then it's like when I reflect on that and all of my feelings around that process, it's like, well, would you, would you reverse and not paint that out? Because I had to get it out, right? Because that's yeah. the path, right? It's not just it's vocational for me, like the painting, the expression, it's got to happen for all the reasons we've discussed today. But then after that, going and painting a commission based on the one painting that everyone wants as their commission <laughs> was, it's, as you say, huge relief, relaxing, I can do this, this will be a great way to get myself back into rhythm again, recover from any disappointments but that's the whole thing, right? It's a path of bravery, like that dance between the comfort and the risk. And and I wouldn't be a painter if I didn't play with risk. This would never have yeah. happened because you have to risk something in life to step out and say, I'm going to, you know, make that declaration. Yeah. And, and again, it comes back to that being honest with yourself. Like, what Absolutely. do I need in this moment? Do I need to just do something that's going to be known and comfortable and not asking a lot of my nervous system, you know, that might be just the medicine you need on a certain day. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, another day might call for 
for more risk. Um, and mm. so just, yeah, I think just being honest with ourselves about what, it, you know, what's going to serve me in this moment. Absolutely. So true. Hey, I can't believe like we come come to the end of our time. I'm so sad about this. It just this, flew by. It just flew by. <laughs> we could sit here for another hour, I'm sure, gas bagging. But can you tell us what exciting things have you got coming up in the near future? Oh, uh, yeah, I would love to. Well, so Art of Aliveness, the book came out a couple months ago. So that feels still pretty new and exciting. Um, I have another book coming out in August called Fresh Paint. Oh, uh, yes, the one with Lindsay. Yeah, so my friend Lindsay Links of who coined Midtown, um, yes. and I, I have her earrings. Actually, I'm not wearing them today, but uh, I have some of her earrings. They're beautiful. They're so good. Mm. Yeah, we, you know, so we've been teaching together for a long time, and what we started to really realize was a, a the big pain point for people in my brave intuitive painting process was finding their own style. You know, not just copying and kind of being derivative and doing what they see maybe me doing or, or someone else. And so we created a whole online course. Well, first it was a workshop in person and then it was an online course all to get people in this process of finding their own voice, which is really, it's a real, it's soul work really is what it, it comes is. down to. And it's, so we, we created this, um, this idea of doing a hundred small paintings kind of based on my, my art teacher's you know, mm, yes. thing about do a thousand bad paintings. Like we're like, okay, let's let's get people to paint a hundred small paintings on watercolor paper, and let them think of them as studies. You know, mm -hmm. where they're just playing and doing all kinds of weird things, because that's how you find your own style, right? Is that you? Yeah. You you do a lot of work and you do a lot of experimenting, and yeah. so we just turned it into a book, and it's called Fresh Paint, and that's coming out in August. So I'm really excited about oh, that. I feel I like the curriculum is. That. Yeah, it's a really, you know, it's a very well thought out curriculum that we've, we've been honing for years. So it feels really good to have it available as a book. Um, and then the other thing that's really exciting that's happening in um, August, but it's sort of a do at your own pace thing is my virtual painting retreat called Reunite. And so that um, actually before COVID, in the before times, I had the... <laughs> foresight, I guess, to film one of my in-person retreats, like with a professional film crew and five-day workshop, we filmed the whole thing. And the people that were there were there to be filmed, you know? And yeah. and so then I created an online course where people get access to all those videos and we do a bunch of live Zoom calls and support that way. And so um, this will be the second time I'm running it. The first time was really cool. People just really felt like they went to a painting retreat, which is was what I was hoping for. So awesome. that's coming out. And then I'm actually teaching in person a little bit coming up, which oh, feels I a little, see. I'm all, whoa. Local or overseas? Or? Uh, but, well, so the first one's in Santa Fe, which is called The Gathering of the Creatives. Oh, and beautiful. Julia Cameron is the Oh, yeah, keynote. you've been that to that. Have you been at that one before? I've done yeah. it before. And it's actually yeah. the, the folks who published Art of Aliveness put this event on. So oh, right. it's really sweet. It's a really yeah. good event. It's It's for writers and painters and anyone who's creative or needs to get inspired to be creative. It's yeah. It's a really sweet event. So that's happening in early September. And then if all goes as planned, I'm crossing my fingers, mm -hmm. um, I'm going to be going to Morocco. Um, oh, fun. Yeah, in in um, September, end of September, for a Beautiful. retreat that was supposed to be in April 2020 that's been, like, postponed and postponed. So yeah. I think we're going. I think we're going. There's a few spots open. And then in, the, in October, I'll be at the Omega Institute in New York. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be a five-day Art of Aliveness retreat. So beautiful, new territory there, which feels really exciting. Gosh, you're hitting the ground running coming out of COVID, aren't you? Oh, God. Well, like it or not. <laughs> At least we've had that beautiful rejuvenation time. Yeah. Uh, nice well, hopefully that. one day I'll join you at something somewhere if our government ever lets us leave the country oh again. It's not feeling like it's going to be anytime soon, yeah. but anyway. Yeah. Ugh. Well, but hey, thank goodness for these sorts of conversations that I get to have. It's been such a delight and a pleasure to have mm -hmm. you on today. Thank you, Flora, for coming. Thank you for having me. I I loved every moment. <laughs> oh, well, thanks so much. And be sure to go and check out Flora's places. Can you tell everyone your places on the interwebs My and the socials? 
Yeah, social media, or, uh, my website's kind of my main place, floraboli.com. And then I'm on Instagram, probably the most of the places, a little bit on Facebook, and it's all just my name. Yeah. And I also have, I think I sent you a link to my Spotify account because I'm a kind of a playlist. I have many um, of your playlists. I'm a, I'm a, it's <laughs> like you and my, I share very similar taste in music, uh, actually. I've listened to your playlists and gone, I'm pretty sure we've grouped down on some very similar dance floors in our I, time. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet. Oh, that's so cool. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I love making playlists and sharing music. So I've got tons of music. Yeah, go check them out, everyone. Yeah. Thanks so much. It's been such a pleasure. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. You can always see more of my art over at susannethercote.com. And if you're interested in learning from me or checking out the podcast notes, you can find those over on susannethercotestudio.com. I love hearing your comments and feedback, so feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, then why not snap a screenshot and share it in your Instagram stories? Be sure to tag me at susan.nethercote so I can say hi. And if you've got a great idea for a future podcast episode or know someone who you think I should interview, then pop on over to susannethercotestudio.com forward slash podcast Hit the button in the header image to shoot me an email. Catch you next time.